0: Hi, Pastor Mike Fabares here. In August 2024, you're invited to join me on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. Delve into God's Word while taking in the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska.
1: Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares.
0: Christmas is about a promised consummation. He's going to bring all of history into the consummation of all things. As he says in Acts chapter four, Peter does, the, the, the renewal of all things. The new heaven and the new earth, they're coming. But what he says is, when I go, just know I'm coming again. I'm coming back.
1: probably don't have an Ascension ornament on your Christmas tree. But when you think about it, if your Christmas celebration stops at the birth of Jesus, you're missing out on the main point of God's story. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares refocuses our attention on the reliable evidence and testimony of what Jesus accomplished and why we still celebrate Christmas today. I'm Dave Drouy. We're starting off in a supporting passage from Acts chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Mike with the conclusion of the mega Christmas message. When Judas
0: goes out and flames out and hangs himself, the betrayer, they, in, in, in Acts chapter one, they sit around, so we've got to replace him. What was the criteria for replacing the apostle? They said, we've got to have someone who was with us from the beginning, who's seen it all, who's heard it all and has been testified and hears, who has heard and seen and touched the resurrected Christ. I need someone who said, we need eyewitnesses. And they're gonna go all out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth with this message, but they have to be reliable witnesses. One more passage, 2 Peter chapter 1. Turn there with me, 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. Now this is Peter writing, think about Peter. When we made known to you the power and coming, the manifestation, right? The incarnation of our Lord Jesus, the son of David, the Christ. But we were, underline it, eyewitnesses of his majesty. For, verse 17, when he received honor and glory from God, the father and the voice that was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Well, we ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. We not only saw it at the baptism, we saw it at the Mount of Transfiguration. We were there, we heard it, we saw it. We were eyewitnesses to it. Verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. We are testifying to you that we saw the fulfillment of the prophecies. And every person in the 21st century, if you're a follower of Christ, we are relying on the eyewitnesses, the messengers, the angelos, who were eyewitnesses to the reality of Christ. What he did, the vindication by the Spirit, they saw his miracles, and his resurrection, the ultimate vindication of his life by the Spirit, raised right with power by the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. We are saying, we know that these guys saw it. This isn't a back room, pinky swear, you, know, you and I, let's just think about what we... No, this is a massive amount of people. For 40 days post-resurrection, Jesus was out there. He was preaching, and as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that sometimes there were more than 500 people present at one time. You can go find them. You can go talk to them. Why was it important in 1 Corinthians 15 that Paul say that? Because he wants them to know this is based on eyewitness testimonies. We saw it. And did they fold when the pressure got ramped up? Of course not. The whole point was they went to their deaths saying we saw this. We were part of it. We touched it. We, We heard it. We were there. We were eyewitnesses to it. And we know that the scripture of the Old Testament being fulfilled in our day, we know that. And we recognize that you ought to, as he goes on to say here, the prophetic word is more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention. Why? Because it's true. Those prophets have spoken the truth. It's like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and all of the promises are going to be fulfilled. So they're writing about that, that there is a coming kingdom, that Christ is going to return. And the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture either Old Testament or New Testament. And Peter's going to say that in this book. He knows Paul is writing New Testament scripture. He says the writings of Paul are like the other scriptures. These scriptures, they're not done by people sitting around stroking their beards, thinking about you know, ethics or ideals or, or, or philosophies. No, they're not a matter of one's own interpretation of reality, right? No, no prophecy was ever produced, verse 21, by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were testifying to the things that they saw that vindicated the claims of an incarnate God. Number three, you gotta be clear, Christmas is about a reliable testimony. Why are we still celebrating this? Because under scrutiny and research, we found the truth of Christianity to be true, objective truth, third-person propositional truth. Not my truth, not your truth, right? Not your story, not my story, objective truth. We were eyewitnesses to this. And that's what the Bible says that started this New Testament era with eyewitnesses saying we confirm the truth of what Jesus claimed as the Spirit authenticated it. Which, by the way, if you denied that when you saw it, Jesus said you cannot be forgiven, I mean, the reality is, you know, he says, you can say a lot of things about me, but if you're saying the testimony of the Spirit bearing witness to who I am, if you're saying that's from Satan, which that's, what they, that's all they were left to say, well, it's clearly a miracle. But whatever magic you're doing, Jesus, it must be by demons, by Beelzebub, And Jesus says, well, then that will never be forgiven. I mean, that's how important the vindication of the Spirit was. And these men took this truth They codified it in writing, and we read it today, we preach from it today, we meditate on it, we memorize it, and we say, here is the objective scripture where the Spirit of God has written the message to the men who are eyewitnesses of the things that we now still celebrate. Christmas is about not some oral tradition, and you can have guys, you know, professors at Saddleback or UCI. They can they can go on and on with their nonsense and ignorance about Christianity not being a codified religion. It was written from the first century, right? There's evidence to that galore. People just talk because they're trying to talk their way out of Christianity, but you can't. This is a story of history and time and space, and it's something that's reliable, and that's why we still celebrate it, and we know and we rely on it as truth. And then, guess what? That can be proclaimed among the nations. Number four, proclaimed among the nations. Proclaimed among the nations. You know that Christianity is not only the biggest religion in the world— Christmas is the biggest holiday around the world. The Bible is the best-selling book around the world. You say, oh, there's some countries. I saw some countries online. They don't celebrate Christmas. I understand that. You can't even go to those countries. You can't go to Indonesia or, 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 or some Islamic country you say, well, they do not allow it. They're in the Sudan, right? I'd, ask them, right? The idea of Christ, even within the world religions, they embed the concept of Christ, though they twist the doctrines of Christ. Now, Christianity has been proclaimed around the world. As Paul said, it's spreading all over the, uh, the creation. Why? Because Jesus told people to do that. Go make disciples of all the nations. And that word, just to kind of make some nuanced distinctions here, is not political entities or city-states or borders. Don't think about the Great Wall of China, this you know, country and that country, or North Korea, South Korea. This is ta ethnos. That's the word for the ta ethna, the, the word for uh, the ethnicities, the different people. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile or barbarian or Scythian or slave or free. This message is universally applicable and it's to be given to the nations. Why? Why did Jesus say in Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, be my witnesses. Testify to this. Testify to what you've seen, what you've touched, what you've heard. Why? Because this is urgent. As as Peter gets around to saying very clearly and is recorded in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. As Jesus said, John 14, right? I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. You got a short period of time on earth, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, maybe, right? You've got to get it right with God, and the only way to do that is through Christ. And that's what's fueled our parents and grandparents and our great-grandparents generation to get out there and get serious about missions, just like it did in the first century. Because we knew if they die without Christ, they face an eternity where they'll hear, depart from me, I never knew you. We have to get the message of Christ. It's urgent. Christmas is about that. And you ought to parlay it for that. Number four, be clear. Christmas is about an urgent message. It's an urgent message of heaven and hell and life and death He's going to come back, as I said last week, and separate the peoples like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. That's what Jesus taught. And we've got to make sure people are on the right side of history. And that means you get right with the living God. And the only way to do that is to embrace the incarnate God. And that message is urgent. Why? Next line. Why is it proclaimed among the nations? Because people need to believe on it. Believed on in the world. People believe on this message. What's the urgent message? Well, I'm glad you asked. It needs a response, and the response is your faith. Pastuo. This word in in Greek is sometimes translated faith, sometimes believe, but the idea is that I'm putting a preposition after, I believe on him. Right? I put my faith in him. That's a concept of me transferring my trust in him. If you say to your friend, here's what Christmas is about. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Do you believe it? You know what they're thinking your question is? Do I think it happened in history? That is not the urgent message of, of, of Christmas. The urgent message of Christmas is you've got to get right with God. Jesus sent his son, and he's got a message, and that message is that you've got to get right with God by putting your faith in him, your trust in him. If I asked Jesus, why did you come? I know what his answer would be because he already gave it. Right? I came not to be served, first coming, but to serve and to give my life as a payment, a ransom for many. Right? What does that mean? I guess there's a payment that's needed. I guess there's some kind of debt that needs to get paid. Or as Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. They're not right with God. They're going to be cast into outer darkness. I want them to be saved. The picture of the message of the gospel is that God sent his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. There's another 316 verse that you know. Right? And you understand that, I hope, because the point of Christmas is Jesus sending his son as a solution to our problem. Number five, you need to be clear. Christmas is about our needed solution. And the problem with your neighbor is they don't think they have a problem. And the preaching of the message of the coming of Christ is God would not send his son to this planet if you didn't have a problem. You have a problem, and the problem is sin. I shared the gospel yesterday with this guy, and as I'm sharing the gospel with him, you know, he brings up what I think every non-Christian eventually brings up. We had a good, civil, intelligent conversation with each other, and, and he brings up Jeffrey Dahmer, which, of course, it's gonna come up, right? Uh, I mean, especially now. It seems he's on the, the tongues of everyone. And as he's talking, like, he wants an explanation from me. You mean to tell me this guy at the end of his life in prison could put his trust in Christ and God's just gonna forgive it? you've heard this before. I'm sure you get it in your evangelism. I got it just yesterday in my evangelism, right? What's my answer? I mean, you know what my answer is. I'm going to a historical situation that Jesus put into the narrative because it happened in history because in God's providence, he knew we needed this one. There's a criminal hanging next to him, the worst of the worst in their society, right? The dregs of society. Just like when you think of Gacy and and Dahmer and, and, and you think these are the worst. And here's a guy hanging here. I mean, the, 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 the criminal of criminals being executed puts his trust in Christ and Jesus turns to him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I told the guy what I tell everyone when I'm sharing the gospel. Jesus is our solution and he came as our solution because the solution that needs to be provided for you is the same solution that needs to be provided for Dahmer or Gacy or anyone else who in your mind is way worse than you, and here's the deal, I'll admit it, relatively speaking, as I sat there, and we sat there and civilly talked about the gospel, I said, I get it, I get it. You and I, right, we haven't eaten anybody this week. So I get it, we're better than that guy. We're relatively speaking, better, upstanding, tax-paying citizens. But here's the deal. The transaction of the gospel is that Jesus comes and lives for us, and Jesus comes and dies for us. And because of that, I need his death in my life and I need my life, right, to be transferred to his death. I need to recognize that everything that I am dies. It becomes scuba on rubbish. And I say, I need your righteousness to be imputed to me. And I need all of my sin, regardless if it's as bad as Gacy's or not, I need it all attributed to his cross. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ, I might become the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians chapter five. That's the picture of the gospel. It's the exchange of my life for his life. And this is the deal. How much of my life do I have to put on the cross? All of it. How much of his righteousness needs to be imputed to me? All of it. I need all of his righteousness. And I said, guess what? Gacy's and and Dahmer and all the rest in the same category that you and I are in, in that the transaction, the solution that solves our problem is a complete exchange of my life for his life and his death, right, for my death. Bam, done. Christ now treats, God the Father treats Christ as though he is the sinner that I am or that you are and who knows who between you and I are worse but we can read the blotter, the crime blotter and find people that are worse than us relatively speaking but the bottom line is we gotta exchange everything. My life for his life and his life for my life. And we exchange it. And that's the gospel. And Jesus came to do it. If he came to die, which most of us think, well, he came to die, right? Then show up on Thursday, right? You can die on Friday. Why spend all this time down here? He had to fulfill all righteousness. He had to live a life that actively fulfilled all the requirements of righteousness. And that's the point. He came to live in our place. That's why he came as a baby, That's why he came and lived a toddler's life, and a child's life, and a teenage life, and an adult life. Jesus came to solve our problem. And that's why we need to now respond by believing on him. Whether we're Gentiles, or Jews, or or, or Scythians, or barbarians, or slave, or free, or CEOs, or, or, or hourly workers. We're here to put our trust in Christ. Believe on him. We're throwing ourselves on the mercy of God and saying we trust that Christ did it all for us not having a righteousness of our own, derived by some keeping of the law or the rules, but the righteousness that comes from God is by faith, to quote Philippians chapter three. Be clear, that's what Christmas is about. It's about a needed solution. You need it and I need it. Last one, number six. Taken up in glory. Taken up in glory. I was online, of course, like you, probably just hunting for Christmas gifts, and I came across an ornament in this Christmas ad and then I clicked on it and I got to this page that was selling ornaments for the tree and the particular ornament they were selling uh, was an ornament of Christ's ascension. It was a picture, like a stained glass picture in a bulb that hung on your tree and it had Christ, you know, shooting up into the sky. Like it's a typical, you know, look respectful and all that, but it's it's the ascension of Christ. And I thought to myself as I was about getting ready to preach the sermon, I thought, I'll bet not many people I'm preaching to this weekend have an ascension ornament on their tree. And I'm thinking, why don't you have an ascension ornament on your tree? And well, I know why. I know why. Right? I know why you don't have an ascension ornament tree because if you gave it any thought, you might think, well, that's a cool thing that happened in Christ's life. But you wouldn't think, wait a minute, why am I in the celebration of Christ coming going to put something on my tree that reminds me of Christ leaving? That's why you don't have an. Asc- that's why it probably is not selling very well, right? That ornament. Why would I want an ascension? ornament. Why would I want to be reminded that he's leaving? Because here's what the disciples thought when he said he was leaving. Uh, don't. Right? Why? I don't want him leaving. You don't want Christ leaving. And he's telling him, no, 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 no. It's necessary that I go away. It's necessary that I go away. And you're not going to be orphaned. I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to come, and he's going to n- make sure that you're not orphaned. He's going to be the comforter. He's going to take you through this life. And the Spirit of God... If we think about a number one role that we have, is going to make sure that we accomplish the goal. This is the last thing he said after the 40 days of appearing after his resurrection. He said in Acts chapter one, I'm going, here's the deal. And they said, well, wait a minute, you're resurrected, you paid for our sin. Is now the time you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, not for you to know the times, but here's your job. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way down to Orange County, California. Why? Because they have people appointed to eternal life haven't even been born yet. I mean, that, I mean, this is Mike Fubar is paraphrased as I preached to the 21st century in Orange County, right? The point is, you and I wouldn't be here if the first coming was all there was. When he actually did leave in Acts chapter 1 after that statement about go be my witnesses and they're gazing up with their gaping mouths at the sky and that ornament came true, Jesus is flying back up to go take be taken up in glory. The angels come back and say, guys, you got, here's the message. Don't you understand it? He told you if he goes, he's going to come back. But you got a job to do in the meantime. Here's how he puts it. The same way you saw him go, right? You're going to see him come back. He's going to come back. It won't be this generation right? It's going to be several generations later, but stay busy at the work. The Ascension is a doctrine. Not many books written on that. Patrick Schreiner, one who came to teach here at CBI, have written one book on it at least. The idea of the Ascension being a critical, he's got a whole section in that book on on the Ascension and eschatology. And one thing he ties in there, which he can't ignore, is you cannot think about the Ascension without thinking about eschatology, the time when he's coming back. They're tied together. And while this is kind of anticlimactic to get to the sixth thing and think, hey, let's talk about the coming of Christ. He left, right? Oh, that doesn't feel good. Yeah, but when he left, the whole point was I am coming back and you need to be ready and praying for it and longing for it and crying out Maranatha because of his return. And every time I preach on Christmas, every year you know this. I can't talk about the first advent without anticipating the second advent. Number six, right? That's what Christmas really is. all. Be clear, Christmas is about a promised consummation. He's going to bring all of history into the consummation of all things. As he says in Acts chapter four, Peter does the the, the renewal of all things. The new heaven and the new earth, they're coming. But what he says is when I go, just know I'm coming again. I'm coming back. So it wouldn't be a bad thing to put an ascension uh, ornament on your tree, but right next to it, put some kind of second coming ornament next to it. Because he's come once, he went away, but he promised with that that he's coming again. Some kind of Siamese twin ornament. You can design it. It'd be good. Just pair them together. You can't have the leaving without the promise of the coming. I had a guy on my floor in college in the dorms and he, uh, I think he went on to be a preacher. I don't know. And and most preachers, (laughs) present company excluded, are very articulate people, very articulate, right? This guy, though he could speak very clearly, uh, he was an expert mumbler. That was one of his hobbies. He just loved to mumble. And he did it as a joke, right? He would come up to people and he'd say things, right? I remember going through the line of the dining hall and if there was a new person working behind their counter slopping the slop on our tray, right? He would say, oh, can I have the... And, and it sounded like real words, not like that. I'm not an expert mumbler. Only when I don't try. But he would try and he would mumble and they would be like, uh, "What? that sounds like real syllables and words. What, huh, what? What? And sometimes he'd be so embarrassed because he'd repeat it and make it sound exactly the same, exactly the same. He was so good at it. And we would laugh. We'd go to a restaurant and laugh. And it just I, we heard him all the time do this. He was so good at it. And I thought to myself, his intention was to be unclear. One of the questions I have you contemplate on the back of the worksheet is from Colossians chapter four, when Paul asks for prayer and he says, listen, I want to make known the mystery of Christ, but pray that I can make it clear as I ought to speak. It ought to be clear. Man, I want it to be clear as it comes out of your mouth. And look for those opportunities. We get into Christmas week right now, you got opportunities to say, hey, it's Merry Christmas. What does that mean, right? It's a mega message, man. There's a lot to it, right? But our job is to make it clear. Is it simple? It's got a lot of facets to it. But please make it clear. And it starts by, I'm trying to do my work this week for you. I'm trying to make it clear in your mind. If it can be clear in your mind, Maybe this week, it'll be more clear coming out of your mouth and telling people about how important it is that we're proclaiming an incarnate Christ who has come to this earth, proven His divinity, based on a reliable testimony with an urgent message that we are in desperate need of a solution that He provided. And His going away is only an anticipation of His return.
1: You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares and a message called The Mega Christmas Message. If you missed the beginning, I invite you to listen to the entire message online at focalpointradio.org. We hope you've benefited from Pastor Mike's clear and accurate Bible teaching on this program, and if you're among those who have stood with us throughout 2023, we thank you. But if you've never linked arms with us financially before, or perhaps it's been a while since you've given, I encourage you to do that right now, before the end of the year we need your help to keep the focal point ministry going strong your financial support really does make a difference you can help make bold biblical teaching available in the new year by calling 888 320 or by giving online at focalpointradio.org and when you give, we'll gladly send you a wonderful Bible study resource called The Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible by Joseph M. Holden. Pastor Mike has selected this top-rated book because it includes fascinating charts, creative graphics, and helpful timelines to enrich your Bible study experience in each book of the Bible. With The Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible in hand, you'll clearly see how God's strength, power, and love are revealed in the overarching story of the the Bible. To request your copy, get in touch with us today by calling 888 or give online at focalpointradio.org. Or if you prefer, you can reach us by mail. Our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654 you've likely heard that Jesus came into the world as the Prince of Peace. Yet as we look around, it seems like chaos and conflict are still running rampant. I'm Dave Drury, inviting you to join us again tomorrow to hear Pastor Mike answer a listener's poignant question, where's the peace God promised? That's coming up on Ask Pastor Mike, Friday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here.
0: Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash
1: Pastor Mike or twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.